like to other people. If you don't know what I mean by othering, it's when any action is taken through which an individual or group mentally classified in someone's mind as not one of us. What, what's the benefit to us of creating other? Why, why do we exploit differences instead of celebrating and embracing our commonalities? Why do school teachers call our parents and say that we are playing with those children? Why do we want to build walls and make people check boxes? Why do we call people who are displaced by a flood refugee? Why do we change neighborhoods when they move in? Especially if the they that's moving in is considered to be an underdog or an outsider. In instead of us all seeing that we are inextricably linked together, or as Dr. King says, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. How many people here who can trust, trace their lineage 100% to the soil of this land before 1491? All the way. I know they used to ask them this question earlier. I would like us to consider them because the majority of us here can't trace our family to this land before that time, can we acknowledge at least we're all immigrants? Can we acknowledge? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. Thank you. <laughs> I get that this psychological tactic uh, may have had its uses in tribal past. When group cohesion was critically important in the early days of human civilization, I, I get it when, that back then we needed to know who were our allies and who were our enemies. I get that back then to thrive, we needed to be a part of a close-knit community who would look out for us and who we knew would look out for us and who they would know look out for others. These people in our tribes tended to be related to us 
or at least looked like us. They talked like us. They thought like us. They usually had the same ethnic background as us. But that was then. When it served a real purpose. Why is it still necessary for us to other? Especially people like Ruth, an underdog and an outcast. A Moabite who was ten generations from the incestuous union of Lot and his daughter. How long, oh Lord, how long did she have to be othered? Ruth, a woman from a different land who was merely trying to make her way to a better place a better land, to take care of her family. She was trying to be a game changer in the lives of her family. She refused to let her mother-in-law go back alone into a society where she knew that her mother-in-law had zero worth and would live destitute if no one assisted her. Naomi begged Ruth to go and have her own life. She said, I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. But you, go, have a future. But Ruth refused to leave her alone and destitute. Ruth said to her, please don't tell me to leave you and to return to my home, I will go where you go. I will live where you live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I'm going to die where you die. And there be buried beside you. May God punish me if we are ever separated by anything but death. Ruth, filled with love for a woman who had taken her in, who had cared for her, who had treated her as family, was determined to change the game for Naomi. She knew the customs, the rules of the land where she was going into, yet she was resolute that she would create a better life for Naomi, no matter what it took. Ruth went into Judea with the little that she had, hoping for a better way. But isn't that what all our families wanted when they arrived in this land, whether forced or chosen? A better way in the world? The opportunity to change the game for themselves and ultimately for us. With the exception of the founding fathers, all of us have been othered. But somehow we forget. We, we forgot what it's like to be the other when it was us who were dismissed as them. When it was us who were considered to 
as being somewhat less human and less worthy of respect and dignity than them. We've forgotten when we were the ones who were feared that they will take our jobs. They will lower our property values. It's them who will bring their foreign and different ways to sully how things should be. Our great, great, great grandparents were our Ruths. The Ruths who were human with complex bundles of emotions and ideas and motivations, with reflexes and priorities and many other subtle aspects that make us human. They were the ones who were othered. Dr. King says, we may have all come on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. Yet now, we still other. That's not what God requires of us. On Friday, the Department of Housing and Urban Development sent a scathing letter to the city of Houston addressing the ways in which Houston would violate the Civil Rights Act through means of segregation. It's 2017. The letter faulted the city for blocking and deterring affordable housing proposals in integrated neighborhoods. It's 2017. It said the city's refusal to issue a resolution of no objection for 2640 Fountain View, a mixed income Galleria area. Oh. <laughs> housing project. Oh. Was motivated either in whole or in part by race, color, or national origin of the likely tenants. Wait, what year is this? <laughs> HUD opened its five-month investigation into potential violations of Title VI of the Civil Rights Act, which prohibits recipients of federal funding from discriminating based on race, color, or national origin after the mayor declined to sign off on the Houston Housing Authority's proposed Fountain View development. This project would have been the agency's first development in a low-poverty, low-crime neighborhood with good schools and access to jobs. It's reported that it sparked fierce 
community and political opposition. The mayor, in rejecting cited costs and concerns. Somebody over there knew what I meant when they said cost and concern. And, and blocking the 233 unit, $53 million project that would have been located in the Galleria area. Now, when asked how many locations, there were a total of 14 that were put forward. How many locations had been Vetted for a cost? Somebody read the article. <laughs> there were zero other projects that were vetted for cost and concerns because they were located in typical... Somebody else preaching for me today. All right. <laughs> and low... <laughs> Opportunity census tracts. Y'all know what low opportunity census tracts means, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> In response to the letter, the mayor said, and I quote, we are taking a hard look at the letter, but there should be no misunderstanding about my commitment to providing options for low-income families. I do not believe that only wealthy areas can provide what, what our children need. I have chosen to stay in the neighborhood where I grew up, and I will not tell children in similar communities they must live somewhere else. Our underprivileged families should have the right to choose where they want to live, I love that piece. And that choice should include the right to stay in the neighborhoods where they have grown up. They have the choice to stay in the neighbors, neighborhoods in which they grew up. Well, what about their choice to live in the neighborhood they didn't grow up? <laughs> If you would have signed that one, I would have bought your story. Stay in low opportunity areas. Instead of being the chance of living in a high opportunity area. One that has jobs and transportation. Ones that you can go out of and walk and not worry. This woman, Ruth, refused. She refused to stay. She refused to rely passively on prayer and providence. She was willing to get things rolling. She was willing to push the boundaries. She was willing to question the dominant assumptions. And she was willing to reach out and see life and possibility in the faces of others that did not look like her. I went online because to see the comments that had been posted 
to this notice about the city. And I, I will share three with you that are the nicer ones. Ah, the children, and yes, children was in quotes. Ah, the children again. The children don't deserve anything more than what their mama can provide, want to live in a high roller, live like a high roller, work for it. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. People work hard to live in nice areas. If you can't afford it, if you can't afford it and don't work hard for it, then you shouldn't live there. Residents and businesses in these so-called high-opportunity areas have legitimate concerns. Like, what specifically is the plan to preserve the high-opportunity nature of the area? Too often in Houston, the model has been housing for an influx of low-income renters. And within a few years, we have another Greens Point or Fondren Southwest to deal with. I am not, mm, I am not all <laughs> for extending a hand up for working folks, striving to give themselves and their children access to opportunity. But... The very reason these opportunities exist in the first place is largely due to the folks who live and work there and the investments they've made in their community. Their concerns deserve a hearing too. What does God require from us? To do justice, to show kindness, to walk humbly with God. Jesus framed it as love thy neighbor as thyself. Dr. King says, and a man has not begun to live until he can rise above the narrow confines of his own individual concerns to the broader concerns of humanity. The world improves when Christians who pray also realize God sometimes calls them to serve as the answer to other people's prayers. The world looks better when Christians are willing to challenge our own stereotypes about our nation's, nation's diversity and when we welcome the others into our homes, into our churches, into our lives when we are willing to provide protection for them and to break bread at not just this table, but at all tables with them. Dr. King says, our goal is to create a beloved community and this will require a qualitative change in our souls as well as a quantitative change in our lives. We, Christians, cannot avoid the call of the book of Ruth to stop avoiding those we don't know, those we fear, those who are looking for the exact same things that our ancestors were looking for when they arrived here. You see, the Ruths of the world won't go back to the way or the place 
that they were before. They will do what it takes to stay, and they will have families whom they love, whom they want the best for. We as Christians need to start figuring out how to make them family. God calls us to be game changers for the roots of the world. We don't have to birth sons for their Naomi's, but we can birth justice. I know the task seems too large for us individually to make a difference, but step by step, moment by moment, we can bring about justice and mercy. We can start by talking to people. We can share with others about our broken immigration system. We can stand in solidarity with our undocumented siblings and others who are suffering. We can take a public stance for being pro-immigration reform. We can tweet or post not one more deportation. We can work with our justice team and find out when the National Day Laborers Organizing Network is having a rally or a protest and attend. We can work with our justice team to partner with Interfaith Immigration Coalition in their efforts to end deportations. We can find out what it takes to become a sanctuary space and present it to our justice team. We can find out how we can become a sanctuary for refugee children or those appealing deportation. You can help us draft welcoming practices for immigrants. You can help us plan a trip to the border so that we can help ourselves and others understand the issues and discern a path forward for action. Help us host forums to discuss MCC's teachings on immigration and immigrants. Attend rallies and write our state and federal congressional re representatives and ask them to support DACA, which is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. These are just a few ways in which we can engage in justice work for the Ruths and the Naomi's in our world. These are just a few ways that we can practice justice, show mercy and kindness by showing that we walk humbly with our God. We can't go back. Let's not ask them to do so either. Amen?